Welcome to Kicking It Local. I am Johnny Kecko, and throughout this series, I'll be sitting down with local guests within the football community here in South Australia, coaches, players, officials, and there's sure to be a great story in every single guest. And today, I am joined by a senior head coach of the Adelaide Comets in the National Premier League, Barney Smith. Thanks for joining me, mate. No worries, Johnny. Pleasure. Mate, it's good to have you in here. Last year, 2021, a big year for the club. Dying moments in the uh, final rounds of the regular season. You guys managed to finish top. What was the feeling like and buzz within the room for that that week of uh, after scoring that final winner? Uh, yeah, unreal, as you can imagine. Um, moments in football stick with you for life, and that's one that um, I think anyone involved in the day yeah. and that was there will never forget. Um, for a number of reasons, but um, an exciting finish to the end of the season in the league. Uh, probably around six weeks out, um, we played Adelaide City, and uh, you know we'd 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 done well against them the first time we played them. The second time we went to their ground, we knew it was going to be a tough a tough assignment. They're playing really well under Pez and um, difficult to score against. Um, and if we lost that game that day. That was probably it. It was yeah. probably wrapped up. The gap was going to be too big um, to be able to catch them um, to t- to challenge for top of the league. But um, fortunate enough, the, our team played well and we scored two in the second half to win that game. And mm. then all of a sudden it was back on because instead of us being eight points away from them with, say, five rounds to go, uh, it was only five points. And um, the one thing that, that we sort of focused on leading into those last rounds was the year before in 2020 when we won the league, we were out in front. And I know that um, we we felt the pressure each week going into each game um, mm. at top of the league, knowing that at the time Metro Stars and, and Campbelltown were trying to chase us and putting pressure on us yep. to get results. So we, we, we used that experience the year before and sort of said to the boys, look, there's going to be pressure on them. Um, you know what that's like. You've just experienced it last year. So if we can keep picking up points and, and keep putting the pressure on, hopefully, um, you know, they've got a tough run in. They've yeah. played some good sides. Um, we did too. Um, but uh, we just thought if we can keep picking up points and, and they drop a few, then it's going to be on. And yeah. going into the last round, we were even on points. Probably fortunate that we both played teams that needed to win to get into the finals. Yeah. You know, Croydon yeah. went all out to try and beat City um, to get into the finals and Olympic as well. Olympic had to beat us to get into the final series. So that made for an open game. Um, and in those final few seconds, um, what people there know, and it added to the drama, but um, Olympic were going all out. They scored, I think actually the league changed about five times that day. We started the day level on points, but behind on goal difference. So we were second, and then um, we actually conceded first. So we went 1-0 down to Olympic, and they were then in the final series. They were going to be playing finals. Um, uh, City and, and Croydon were still drawing. Um, then we equalised and made it one all, and then we scored straight away. Yeah. So we went 2-1 up. So we went from being second to first. So now we were going to win the league. They were still level. Um, then Olympic were going all out to try and get to, into the finals. So they they were attacking, bombarding us, trying to score. Scored in the 78th minute to make it 2-2. Yep. So we then were like, now we're dropping back to second. Then Croydon scored in the 84th 
and went one nil up. So we went back to first. <laughs> Jeez. It was full on. I was trying to keep track of it all. And I was in the car on the way home from another game. You were. Try coaching a team and have people yelling at you. We're first. No, we're second. No, we're first. No, we're second. And um, it's incredible because people in um, the LA City camp, their game was finished. They thought they may have won the league. Well, at um, some point. so Croydon scored and then we were like... And, and you know, you kind of change your tactics yeah. a little bit. We were 2-2 and Olympic was still trying to win the game. And when Croydon scored and we went to first... We were literally all out defence, yep. just trying to hang on to the yeah. to the two two draw. Because credit to Olympic, they just kept coming because yep. they were trying to make the finals. Um, and then we heard eighty eighth minute, obviously Joe Costa scored, yep. and made it one all there. And that's when so we went from all out defence yeah. to oh City scored, yep. you're now second again, they're first, and it was like complete change. Yep. Now we've got to go all out and try and score. In the local leagues, it's incredible to have that kind of excitement in um, that final round. And it was back and forth, back and forth. And then you finally, we thought it was all done. But then in the extra time, you guys managed to come back and score the winner. Well, I think that's what added to the drama too, Johnny. I mean, and it's exciting. Whether we were part of it or not, I think for everybody out there, you want an exciting local league. It brings yeah. fans back. It brings interest to the game. Um, but in the 91st minute, and our game finished slightly later to City and Croydon's game. So I think they finished and were watching mm. the end of our game. Um, Jaden Labasso had pressured Lewis Moss. He got a back pass. And uh, as he kind of went to sort of clear it, he kicked it straight into Jaden's chest and it dropped for Jaden. He took a little bit of a heavy touch, but it was still an open goal. He's round the keeper. He just needed to pass it into the net. And I, literally, I remember the moment. I, I, I can't forget it. We all jumped up off the bench. It was like, this is it. Like, yep. It's an open goal. Jaden's going to score. We're going to win the league in the 91st minute. Yep. And he hits the post. Oh. You know, Unfortunately for Jaden, he did everything right. He yep. just, in that moment, he, he tried to put it on target and it's just clipped the inside of the post and then they've cleared it out for a corner. And I remember turning around looking down at everybody on our bench and everybody had their hands on their heads <laughs> like, oh God, we've yep. just missed a sitter to win the league. And I think at that moment, a lot of people probably thought that was it that was it yeah it's all over um i i was still encouraging the boys i didn't make a decision whether we'd won it or not um i just kept encouraging the boys because i knew olympic were throwing mm. everything at us that there were still gaps yeah and there was still potentially an opportunity there and we'd scored a lot of late goals um and we talked about this as a group that you know, it is not over against us until that final whistle goes. Yeah. And we've got late goals. We can score goals late. We've got mm. lots of goal scorers on the field. So we just keep going. And uh, amazingly, in that last moment, Ninko's pinched the ball off of uh, off of Tito on a halfway line, beating a player. And then it's it's a three-on-three. Three and he's found a great pass into Nathan Andijanto, who just took up a beautiful spot. And what a finish in the 93rd minute yep. after we just hit the post. And I think that's why you see the celebration. It's not just because it was a 93rd minute winner. It's also because we just missed the sitter and yep. hit the post, mm. which is why a lot of people kind of went crazy at the end to win the league. Absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, you did a repeat of the year before, making it to the grand final, unfortunately not getting the double. Is it, Have you guys changed the way you're going to take tackle this season uh, in 2022? No, not really. Um you know, it's it's hard. Let me tell you, it's it's hard work losing grand finals. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not enjoyable at all. You know, believe me, we we obviously want to win the grand final. We want to win every trophy that's on offer, as does every other team. Um, whether you're putting importance on one or the other, yeah. Um, that's up to you if you do. Um, but I think 
Absolutely, the club wants to win a grand final. The players do, uh, all the coaching staff and, and everybody there because it's the one mm. feat that the club has left to conquer. Yep. You know, they've, they've come from humble beginnings in the amateurs, came into the federation, they've won the State League 2 um, division, got promotion, they've won State League 1 yep. and got promotion. Uh, they've won an FFA Cup. The girls are in the top league, they've got promotion. The only thing the club hasn't done is win a championship yep. in the NPL and won a grand final. So do we want to? Of course we do. Um, and and does it hurt when you lose them? Absolutely, particularly when it's on penalties. And going into this year, um, the same thing applies as what we did going into 2021. You will not win a grand final if you're not in it. Yep. If you want a guarantee, I'll give you one. And that is, and I say this to the boys, I'll guarantee you you won't win a grand final if you don't get in it. And... 12 teams this year, just like us, are all lining up to have a good season and all 12 teams are going to try and win mm. and get to the grand final. But I'll guarantee you, you'll never win one if you don't get in it. And I'd rather be in them with a chance to win one, competing for the championship, than sitting in the stands watching from the sideline. And it's the same this year. Mm. You know, um, Every year we think uh, we gain more experience. You know, We've got quite a young a young. A group of players that have gone through this experience now, um, and and that only stands, you know, holds them in better stead for mm. if they get back there, they're experienced in grand finals and they won't be as nervous. They won't yep. be, you know, sort of overawed by the situation. I actually feel, feel like um, the, the the team did really well. Um, we, we were missing a few players in the grand final yep. in twenty twenty one and playing against a really good side again. Um, Pez had taken over at City, put together a formidable side that were playing really good football, um, super, super good in transition as well. And we knew they were deadly if you lose the ball against them in the middle third, mm. uh, and which they tried to do. But we felt like, after, and my comments after the first half was that I was disappointed. We sort of, we knew what the trap was. We still played into it yep. and they had some good opportunities. But as the game went on, I felt like we, we started to wrestle that back in our favour. Um, we ended up with two great chances. One, Welsh's header in the second half just hit hit um, Aladdin in the head. Yep. That goes an inch either side. We go one nil up. Absolutely. Um, and then right at the end, two things happened. Jules made an unreal save to keep us in the game, and I felt like he was the best on ground that night. Um, no, no disrespect to, to the awards given out, and, and and obviously everyone has their opinions, and Lockie's a great defender, as we spoke off air. He's now representing Adelaide United, which about time. Glad yep. to see him in the A-League. But um, Jules that night was unreal. He had yep. such a good game. Um, and in the extra time, that, that, that chance that fell to Welshie. You know, he's, there was five minutes left on the clock. The ball drops to him inside the 18-yard box. He's a prolific scorer that, you know, the year before won the Golden Boot. I jumped up then again. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I should stop jumping up because every time I jump up, it doesn't go in. It struck um, you to the seat. <laughs> I thought that was the moment. Yeah, dropped to him inside the box. He's a, he's he's such a clinical finisher and uh, a good technician, Welshy. Um, and he and that's what he actually he actually tried to do it. He tried to instead of instead of hit it with power, he just tried to place it. Mm. But unfortunately, he hit it straight at Woody yep. uh, and it went straight into his hands. But that was the big moment for us. That could have gone in and we would have won. The, we Absolutely. Won. And we, we'll talk about the uh, last last few seasons uh, for so long. But your coaching career, I want to talk a bit about your dad, Ron Smith. He's coached in, uh, for those that don't know, for Perth Glory. He's coached overseas in Australian uh, system and also for the AIS. That Obviously, that would have an impact on you and 
directed you to where you are today and a little bit of an influence on the way you coach um, at the Comets. Um, what what kind of influences can you pinpoint that um, that have pretty much stuck with you from your dad's uh, dad's style of uh, coaching? Um, I think just naturally by osmosis being yeah. around him, there's probably a lot that he influences, uh, and that and that can be just us watching a game, mm. you know. And uh, he doesn't live in Adelaide, but obviously whenever he comes to Adelaide, um, you know, we'll go down to watch Adelaide United and watch a game live, um, sit in the crowd and watch the game, uh, and then he doesn't shut up for the whole game, <laughs> and he'll be talking about things that are happening on the field. Does he say what what should be happening and stuff like that? Yeah, he'll <laughs> talk about you know the, the the two different sides and how they're yep. counteracting each other or what's happening in the game, what he thinks one team needs to do more of, or if he's impressed with a certain way mm. a team's playing or, or or players on the field. Um, you know, it can be a whole range of tactics to te- technique um, and 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 athletes too. You know. Yeah. Um, he uh, and and we'll do that whether we're watching a game at home, yeah, um, or together when we can get to a game live. Obviously, with the COVID years, that hasn't happened that often. But uh, growing up, I probably didn't take as much notice of it because yep. I was playing um, and not really thinking about coaching. But um, probably two 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 big influences was was, was him for me to get into coaching. Um, and and when I when I finished playing Martin Crook, the late Martin Crook, um, here in SA because I was here in SA when I finished playing, and Martin was the head of football for the FSA then and coach education, yeah. Um, and bring, being also a, a a goalkeeper himself that got into coaching, I'd run into Martin a few times and and he was encouraging me and saying you know I think you should get into yeah coaching. He actually said he had, we had a conversation and he said to me I don't think you should be a goalkeeper coach. Um, some of your insights and your influences and things you've said, I think you should get into coaching. Um, and, uh, and Michael Petrillo too at the time was another one that uh, I remember speaking to him. He was a, one of the successful coaches at Raiders at the time and, and had a chat to him about it. And he said the same thing. He said, yeah, go for it. Um, and I think that, that generally when you finish playing, you want to stay involved in the game. Yeah. So all roads led... To, to coaching, I kind of jokingly also say goalkeepers make good coaches because all we do is stand there and watch games anyway and well, analyzing, yeah, and profess to know everything. Yeah, <laughs> if you've listened to a goalkeeper on the field, <laughs> you know we never make mistakes and everybody else does. So, um, but yeah, I I, I thought I'd I'd get involved with Martin and and obviously supported um, as any father would support your son and what he's going to do. Yep, um, and that's how it all sort of kicked off. Since then. He's obviously he always takes a back seat with me, um, and lets me sort of find my own path. But uh, definitely, just um, and some some people think we probably talk about our games a lot more, and that he will will, will help me um, when I'm coaching a team, whatever jobs that I've done. It's funny though; he doesn't. He tells me everything we've done wrong, but not how to fix it. He's like, "You got to go and work that out. That's yeah. up to you." Do you prefer that that he does that, and not getting that influence in that sense of what? Um... Oh, well, look, a hundred percent. You know, I think any of us do, no matter what walk of life that you're in. And if you've got kids, you know, it's the same. You're trying to encourage your kids to learn and find their own solutions. If you always give them the answers, mm. how do they go and find the answers for themselves? Would he ever tell you that once you do it right, that that's exactly what I would have done, or just stays quiet? Um, look, not really. No. And look, he's 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 complimentary about um, uh, coaching from a perspective of mm. improvement. Yeah. Not so much. He's not too bothered about 
you know, how many games we win or whether we win the league or not or any of those things. You know, it, coaching takes many different forms. You could be improving young players. You could have a development role. Um, you might be at a club that's trying to survive relegation or just wants to make the finals or is trying to win something. Whatever position you're in in those different clubs, yep. coaching takes up a different role. And in those environments, you've got to look for those little improvements to try and get to the end goal that you're after, yeah. whether it is to survive relegation and or it is to try and make the finals. Um, so he kind of looks at it more so from where did you start and yep. what's improved? Have you been able to improve? From where you started. Um, at the time, your dad was the coach of the AIS when it was roughly the time of the golden generation and coached most of those players. Was there any moments that you um, you think of now that just seemed normal back then, but you would, you would have been surrounded by different things that not many everyday kids would have uh, been surrounded by? Was there anything you look back on now that you think, oh, that wasn't like saying... Just not normal? Yeah, just not normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, being a young kid, um, and obviously most of the, f the people involved in football have been young kids where their dad's taking them to the club or their dad's taking them to football every weekend. And we'd all have memories of going to the clubs mm. and hanging around at the club and being there for ages. And, um, obviously it was different for me. I was, I was very lucky to be the kid of the head of the Institute of Sport at the time who was bringing through some of the best talent in Australia that we've ever seen. Um, and was you know, the head of a refining school that produced more professional A A grade, when I say A grade, like EPL players, Serie A or Bundesliga or French League, you know, that golden generation. We had so many footballers mm. that played at the top flight that had gone through um, the AIS under, under my old man. Um, yes, things weren't normal yeah. you know, as a 12, 13, 14-year-old. Um, I can remember... Geez, you get you get me thinking back now, but um, Ante Milicic used to be my favourite. Yep, um, he was like a big brother uh, at times, and uh, Speedy was his nickname. Um, but I remember Ante always used to. Um, he had these problems with his feet when he was at the institute, um, and his and, and and his groins. I think he had uh, back then onset OP or um, different things. But I I just remember that at times when he was coming back from injury, and uh, uh, he wouldn't start. He'd come, yeah. they'd bring him on at half time. And I used to sneak in and sit on the bench whenever I could, or I'd be close to the bench as much as I could because wherever they played, or if they were up in Sydney playing, the old man would drag me along. So I'd just always go with them. So I'd travel up and down That's to Sydney cool. with, you know, this list of professionals, you yeah. know, the, and they, all these, all these guys used to go to the Institute and would leave home. They'd all leave, you know, Adelaide or Melbourne and Sydney and end up in Canberra at this place. Mm. Uh, what a lot of people don't know and, and, and some of the biggest stars, you know, they, they were kids back then. They were 16, 17 years old, leaving home, going to live for two years away from home and try and learn as much as they could to become a professional footballer. But a lot got homesick. A lot had brothers and sisters that they missed. And me and my brother, who's, who's 15 months older than me, we kind of end up being like little brothers to yeah. all these guys, you know, because like, we were always there. And probably as annoying as hell as well, um, mind you. I wouldn't but be surprised. A lot of them used to take us under our wing and um, uh, we'd spend so much time with them that they were all like older brothers yep. go going through when we were younger. But Speedy was one that he used to come up to me and he'd, and he'd say, how many do you think I'm going to score in the second half? And I'd be like, 
oh, at least one. And he goes, no, I'm going to get three. And yep. he'd go out and score a hat-trick. Yep. And, oh, wow. And like give me a wink or point at me after he'd score the third goal. And I, I used to think he was just unreal. Yeah. Um, or I can remember being in the indoor hall practicing penalties with Viduka. Oh. And we were trying to um, – Mark was showing – he was saying, you can do this trick pen where you run in and just like just as you're about to take the penalty as you plant your left foot to kick it with your right foot, you toe punt it with your left foot and then you swing with your right foot and completely miss everything Jeez. to throw the keepers off. Yeah. And we, we spent like an hour in there, just me and Viduka, just taking pens, trying to practice this Jeez. dummy penalty. <laughs> so that's not normal, right? No, that's definitely not normal. And I love that. That's... <laughs> That's an incredible thing. You go to school and say, I just uh, did some penalties with uh, Viduka. Well, look, (laughs) back then, it probably didn't seem that it wasn't normal. Yeah, but... Because who was Mark Viduka? Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, that's true. He hadn't become... What he is today. ...the superstar that he is today. He was a young, great striker that had come up from Melbourne that was on scholarship for two years. Yeah. was just another sort of big brother that was I was mucking around with yeah, after you, training. And at that time, you don't realise the actual the football brain you're pl- like learning from at that moment. Um, it's incredible to, to <laughs> that's a, that's a really good story. Another one's Kevin Musket. He, um, you know, he was he was a larrikin back then, and uh, you know he was. Uh, we used to travel in this bus up to Sydney, and the institute played in the in the National Youth League back then, so it constantly would be travelling up and down to Sydney to play Marconi and Sydney Olympic and Sydney United, um, all the teams that were, were then in the NSL back mm. then, some of those days. And um, Yeah, Musket used to take me under his wing just for bad influence most of the time and, you know, he used to beat me up and get me in headlocks and all Jeez. those sorts of things. So but... Is that where he learnt all the all the things he does on the pitch <laughs> from you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. Not from me. Um, it's probably something I was going to learn from him, but no. Um he also used to. They used to stop at McDonald's on the way home. Yeah. And I remember he used to. He used to get like a large Coke, and keep the straw and the and on the bus we'd sit at the back of the bus, and then Muskie would rip off these little bits of um, the large Coke paper. Yeah. And then we'd put them in the straw and like pea shoot them at some of the other players that had fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah. And, and like on the bus and hit them in the back of the head and stuff like that. How old were you back then? Or how old was he? I was back about then? 11, 12 yep. years old. <laughs> old enough to know better. but that's, that's... Old enough to know better, but I <laughs> I was easily influenced. <laughs> uh, he is a bit of a bad influence, isn't he, Musket? <laughs> oh, look, I think he's... He was a competitor and a fiery yep. one at that, but um, fantastic but, career and, yep. and, and now a fantastic coach. Yeah, he's, I was going to say, he's gone on to be a, an incredible coach, t- overtaking um, uh, Ange Postacoglu in Japan. So mm. he's uh, he's doing a very good job now. So you've been around all these amazing um, people, and I'm sure there's a lot more that you've um, been surrounded by as well. And all that obviously would impact on what the way you coach today in um, at the LA Comets. And we want to go back a little bit now. I could talk about this all day, about your past and all the people you've been surrounded by. But I want to talk a little bit about the LA Comets. For those that don't know, during uh, the 2022 season, you're moving to a, a new home, which is the football centre in South Australia, in Jeps Cross. Yep. What's that mean for you guys? Because last year I spoke to you going into the um, the, fi- the semi-final against LA City at home. And we're talking about the um, how the pitch is very narrow and having to have two different styles of play away from home and at home. Yep. What's that impact to have on you now that you're going to be moving away from SA Athletic Stadium, have a new home? How's that changed your style of play? Look, we have to adapt and change. Um, in fact, 
I'm looking forward to it yep. because um, it'll actually let us have a little more consistency in the way that we want to play uh, without having to change to suit the home ground. Yeah. Um, which in the past has been, um, you know, the cards that were dealt. And when we talk about n- new homes or moving home, uh, Comets is home at Ellis Park. Yeah. That's, that's home. That's where the club's been built and, and eventually the club um, wants to play and should be playing at Ellis Park. Mm. Uh, MPL games right there on the fringe of the city. Uh, we've got a great opportunity to promote the game and and have a fantastic facility there, not just for the Adelaide Comets, but for football in general. Um, mm. For the W League and the A League, if they if they come here and you know most of them stay in hotels in the city. Yep. They need somewhere to train. It's right Perfect. there. Yeah. Just like cricket, cricket have beaten us to it, and Saka have built that amazing cricket facility right on the corner yeah. there right and look at that as an advertisement for cricket in south australia everybody driving into town now sees that yeah well, i remember driving t- down you got the royal Adelaide hospital on the left and on the right you got the well, the women B- um, big bash league playing there or even the redback sometimes yeah. as well and it's incredible and you can watch them as you're driving i love it exactly so you know football right on west terrace there has yeah. a great opportunity football sa in in partnership with comets has a great opportunity there to showcase our league yep imagine friday night's MPL football, West Terrace, yep. all the suits in town. There's a you know top division game on. You can go down and watch it on a Friday night. We, it's not just about our club yep. and wanting to play there. I think um, locally it's a great opportunity also mm. to be just like the cricket are, right in front of everybody with a, with a product that yep. people can go down and watch and be part of. You can you could save the big games for yep. you know, the big derbies or the big games rivalries like between us and Metro Stars or us mm. and Adelaide City. Um, there's quite a few good teams that you could showcase there and get a really good yeah. crowd on a Friday night and everyone else driving past will take interest and take note. Well, that's, yeah, that's for sure. And also, I think the boys would love it as well because a win like you did in the final season, uh, final round of uh, 2021, it's not far to go and party and kick on down Hindley Street as well. So Yeah, well, that's right. And, and you know, the club there, the facility it does get booked out all the time because yeah. a lot of it... You can you can hire it to yep. um, to use the upstairs function room. Yep. And a lot of people have been doing that now. It's quite busy because they've recognised they can have their function there, and then they go straight into town. They mm. just walk into town. But back onto the to the home pitch, um, uh, it's probably an unpopular comment amongst my club when I say I don't like Santos either, um, and I don't. I, but it, I could either whinge about it yep. or just deal with the cards and go. Well, that's where we play, so we have to adapt and try and have a home advantage that we can yep. use during the season. Every every team would be doing that. Every team that's got a home ground would be trying to gain a home advantage yeah. by being familiar on their pitch. Yep. Um, just because we've been good at it and the pitch is a bit smaller, it just seems to irritate others. But this happens all over the place in all different codes. Look mm. at Sydney Swans. You know, the SCG that's is it. a small it's a small field. Yep. They've adapted to play well there. That's why they're good at home. Yep. Um Santos actually had the same, when we have the main pitch marked out, it actually had the same dimensions as White, White Hart Lane oh. for Tottenham Hotspur. Yep. Again, teams will adapt things That's to it. try and play to their advantage. Um, the and difficult thing at our level was was that we were changing every week and the accumulated effect of trying to do that is 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 it upsets your rhythm and you don't get the... You, I don't believe... Um, you have the opportunity to really get into rhythm in terms of the way that you want to play when you change it every week. You know, most teams don't. They play one style and they play that way whether they play at home or they play away. A lot of teams struggle when they come to Santos for that reason too is because Mm. they have one style 
it doesn't work there. Yep. If you don't have the width. Um, in terms of length, it's as long as any of the plastics in in South Australia. So yep. the length isn't the issue, it's the width. And we're now moving to the new one, you're going to have a better facility there. I've seen it on the expressway. You can actually see the them building it in Jeb's Cross. It looks like it's going to be an incredible um, spot and spectacle for fans as well. That The only good thing that's... I, I didn't mind uh, SA Athletic Stadium, but... It seems as a spectator, you're very far away from the pitch. Oh, it's horrible. It's it's horrible like that. And especially commentating, it makes it very difficult as well. Yeah, it's horrible. You're right. like looking at ants. For our product to be uh, something that people want to go to mm. and enjoy an atmosphere and go and watch what SA has to offer yep. at, at the top level, MPL, um, we need boutique grounds like yep. Blue Eagles mm. you know, and Campbelltown um, where you've got a fenced off main pitch, um, you've got good facilities there to yep. sit and watch the game or stand around and watch the game. Um, I mean, I went to watch City against Melbourne Victory yep. at Martin. Um, I know a lot of people that came to our grand final actually preferred the grand final um, Same here. at Martin to watch it compared to Highmarsh. Because yep. with the amount of people that we get there, the atmosphere was a lot better at Martin than what it was in the previous years. For, for me, I've been Hi to a lot of A-League games and it felt like a very, the atmosphere there was better than some A-League games I've been to, whereas like Wellington Phoenix and LA United, which have about six, 7,000, they had about three or 3,000, I believe, at the your grand final. And it just that atmosphere, when you, everyone's so close, you're in a boutique stadium, it's perfect for the game. Yeah, and that's, that's, I mean, that's what we need. Obviously, everybody can't get there straight away, but yeah. that's what we need. We, we would love to see a little boutique stadium mm. at Ellis Park with a home ground there. Um, Santos or SA Athletics is getting upgraded by the by SA Athletics. They're spending, I think, $10 million um, putting in a new track, yep. uh, a new digital scoreboard, new change rooms. Yep. It's getting a facelift for athletics, not for football, but obviously um, with the uh, renovations going on, we can't play there. Yep. So it wasn't we made a decision to leave. Um, I don't think we would have left... SA Athletics until Ellis Park was up mm. and running uh, but this has forced the club's hand and without being able to play at Ellis straight away they had to find somewhere else I think there was a few options but playing on a brand new grass pitch uh, with a new stadium yep. and new change rooms who would say no to that Absolutely. If, if you don't have any other alternatives yeah but hopefully in the near future you guys will be able to get to uh, Ellis Park and um be close for me as well because I work down Franklin Street so it's literally just down the road so come to a game on a Friday night perfect there you go and, and look ultimately as a club too uh, I mean these things get forgotten when you talk about you know clubs and mm. how they've performed and what they've been able to achieve I think um, the club's done fantastically well and we've we've been able to achieve some things um, without having a home ground yep you know how many other teams in the NPL don't have a home ground to play at? Yeah. Um, and generally, the teams that lose their home ground, and there's been a few in recent history that have not had a home ground because they've tried to move or they've tried to mm. do upgrades and they've had to play somewhere else without their home, they've generally suffered and either rele got relegated or completely dropped away from being competitive. F for, for, for the Comets to stay competitive and challenge for things while still not having a home ground... Um, a genuine home ground yep. uh, at their own club um, speaks volumes for what, what we've been able to do. Um, but I think the evolution of the club is to get get home to Ellis as soon as possible yep. and play all their home games there. And you've got the crossbar um, there as well, which yes. is your the home uh, club rooms. I saw a video doing the rounds on social media <laughs> for Valentine's Day. 
Um, uh, yep. And you were featured in it as well. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that because you looked a little bit uncomfortable in the video. Uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick makes me uncomfortable all the time. Um, but I knew there was a stitch up there. So, um, no, it was a bit of fun uh, and a promotion uh, for people. Um, obviously, places are hard to get into for Valentine's Day or... Um, on a Monday night, if you if you if you had your junior kids and you mm. don't have time, there was an option there, and 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 it was a good night. It, I hear from Nick that they had a great night, and they, had, they actually had quite a few people attend. That's cool. And have dinner there, but that was just a bit of fun, bit of a promotional video to That's get <laughs> to let people know that the crossbar's there. It definitely got it out, mate. Before we um before we wrap it up, I want to do a quick uh, kicking at local uh, questions. I like doing. I call it kicking at questions. But which footballer would you love to kick with? Have a kick, because well, now it does. This is a bit redundant when talking to you because you've, you've kicked with some of the best names in football, you, <laughs> Mark Viduka. Um, just give me one that you haven't kicked with yet. <laughs> oh, look, you can go. On, you can go non-Aussie if you talk about yeah, you know, global footballers. But yeah, talk global. Yeah, uh, who would you? Who would you love want to have with? a kick with? Messi. Oh, that's a good one. You know. Or Ronaldo. Unreal talent, you know. Generational talents, those two. So, either or. There you go. And also, you've probably done this as well. Name two people. Um, so, one in international football and someone from your club or in the local game um, who you'd love to kick back on a Saturday night and just watch any football. It can be EPL, Champions League, FA Cup. Uh, I think f- just for the laughs. Yeah. Internationally, I think Jamie Carragher. Oh, yeah. Good one. Good is, choice. Is hilarious and how he gets fired up. I reckon I could wind him up pretty good, actually. So <laughs> that'd be pretty fun watching a game with him. Um, locally, in our local game... Uh, Many characters in the local game, yeah, isn't Yeah, we've it? got a lot of smart asses. So <laughs> yeah. um, take your pick. Um, off the cuff, though, who'd I like to lo- watch a local game with? Jeez, um, I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> Anyone at the club in uh, the comments that's just... Stand out. I see them enough. Yeah, I oh, don't you want know, to deal with them. I see them enough <laughs> throughout the week and on a ga- on a game day. Um, then to hang out with them afterwards. No, they're a good bunch of boys. Um, uh, probably Nathan Andy Janto. Yeah, you know he's he's a he's a Jekyll and Hyde sort of guy. When he gets on that pitch, he's uh, a different character. But he's he's a lot of fun and easy to wind up off the pitch as well. So. Um, from my team, that'd be him. Yep. Um, from the other teams, probably Lewis Moss, you know, different character. That's a good one. You know, uh, Lewis makes me laugh at times at some of the things that he does. Yeah. Um, mercurial talent. Mm. When he's on, he's unreal. Um, so probably probably Mossy. Great choice there. That'd um, be a lot of fun on a Saturday night, hanging out with those guys. Hey, um, thank you so much for joining me, uh, Barney. I really appreciate you coming on the uh, the podcast, the Kicking It Local no podcast. Worries, Pleasure to be here. That was Barney Smith, the head coach of the Adelaide Comets in the National Premier League. Make sure you subscribe to Kicking It Local wherever you get your podcast so you can get a taste of the SA football community. Plus, follow at Kicking It Local SA on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any of the action. See you soon.